0: Thank you for joining us for the Tucson Baptist Church podcast with Pastor Brent Armstrong. This podcast features the messages from the teaching and preaching ministry at our church. Tucson Baptist Church is located in Tucson, Arizona, and we are committed to loving God, growing together, and reaching our community. know Jesus Christ's personal Lord and Savior applies to you. Oh, we've been in Revelation for so long, many, many months. I'm trying to finish between now and the end of the year. Um, and and uh, if the Lord will let me, I'm going to try to do that. But uh, we're, we're, we're preaching through the book of Revelation, verse by verse. Um, word by word, where necessary. And um, the last several weeks has been really arduous because it's, it, because we've had to preach and explain what's going to happen and we're not going to be a part of it. Well, at least I'm praying you're not going to be a part of it. Because if you're saved, you're going to be spared from the things that we have talked about for several weeks now. uh, That's going to take place during this seven-year period called the Tribulation and the Great Tribulation. But this morning, the message applies to you. And so take your Bibles to Revelation chapter 19. I just have a text verse found in verse number 7. And that is... Uh, in anticipation about what we are going uh, to look at this morning. Here in verse 7, we find a command, a a, a promise, uh, an anticipation. The Word of God simply says this. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to Him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and His wife hath made herself ready. What in the world does this verse mean? Who is the wife? Who's the groom? Who who is coming to this marriage? Are you invited? Will you be there? There's questions and commands and promises and anticipation. There's a lot that we have to unravel this morning. Father, would you help us? Thank you for the beautiful music, how it has encouraged me and uplifted so many today. Father, as we just, in the moments that we have before us, May we open our heart through your Holy Spirit. May we learn something today in Jesus' name. Amen. Who is the wife? The wife is none other than the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Who is the church? We are the church. And God chose the institution of marriage to illustrate uh, that glorious moment when we become one with the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible here specifically terms it, calls it the marriage of the Lamb. Now, weddings are thrilling. We have some weddings that are, that are happening very shortly in our own church. And it's exciting. I think we have three or four weddings that's going to happen over the next two months. It really is a beautiful time. It's, in, it's, it, it's with anticipation that uh, the man and the woman look forward to being married. And the family looks forward to getting rid of them. And so it's just it's awesome about the things that are about to happen. Listen, uh, weddings are beautiful, stories are told. Uh, I've seen every type of thing happen in 160 plus weddings that I've officiated. I've seen people pass out. I've seen tears. I've seen laughter. I've seen wedding cakes drop. I've eaten cold food. There's been lots of things that's happened at weddings. But weddings are meant to be beautiful. And indeed, the marriage of the Lamb is going to be an event Uh, when we meet the Lord Jesus Christ at the rapture. We're caught up with Him in the air. Now, we don't know the moment that that's going to be. Uh, It's a time at this moment that's only known to God the Father. And now the Bible teaches that in the marriage of the Lamb, it's the Father who also sets the wedding date in Matthew 25, verses 12 and 13. And it teaches us that nobody knows the day nor the hour, only the Father. And He, I can assure you, has not whispered that to anyone just yet. So if someone stands before you and says that they know when Jesus is coming back and they can tell you the date, let me just tell you that they're being heretical and they're preaching heresy. Um, but Jesus is coming back, and the bridegroom is going to meet his bride. Jesus is coming again. I'd like to look at the first half of this chapter and look at the marriage of Of the lamb it's going to be an incredible event it's an event that you should be excited about it's an event that you should have with great anticipation knowing this I believer I as a Christian I as a person that belongs to the church I am going to meet Jesus at this great event now let me just give you an illustration we have what's called an order of service and those who play in the orchestra the ushers those who sing in the choir those who are participants in the service um, Um, Tabitha prepares this every week and this order of service tells us the order of the service what's going to happen so that way we know what's going to happen we can be organized and we can come across without confusion. There's an order of service. Do you know, here in Revelation chapter 19, we see an order of service. And in the marriage of the Lamb, let me look with you at a passage of Scripture beginning in verse number 1. We're going to see the marriage order of service number 1. There will be music. There will be music. First of all, this music is going to be magnificent. We read about this in the first six verses. Would you look with me there? After these things I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying hallelujah salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God for true and righteous are his judgments for he hath judged the great whore which did corrupt the earth with her fornication and hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. And again they said, Hallelujah! And her smoke rose up forever and ever. And the twenty-four elders and the four beasts fell down and worshipped God that sat on the throne saying, Amen! Hallelujah! And a voice came out of the throne saying, Praise our God, all ye his servants, and ye that fear him, both small and great. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude And as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thundering saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. Now, what do you think uh, the wedding music's going to be at this marriage supper? What do you think? Is there a word that perhaps we heard over and over again? It is the Hallelujah Chorus. Of course, that's what's going to be sung. Uh, Now, that's an opinion. The Bible doesn't say that. But let me illustrate for you. Just like uh, our music this morning, I have to confess to you, uh, Tabitha and I, uh, as we work together on the music and order of service, and we go back and forth each week, uh, uh, she selects the choir music and the congregation music. Folks, there are no coincidences with God. This morning we sang the song about hallelujah and amen. And it fits perfect with the message today. It's pretty amazing. And I've already established the fact that I didn't send my message out till last evening to our staff. uh, Just because I I, I was away uh, for for the staff training this week. And so they got it last night. And this was already set before we ever went to staff training. It's amazing how our music fits with the message today. God is great. Um, The Hallelujah Chorus, it's known around the world. But here's what's interesting. Hallelujah is used four times in these first six verses. Um, Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah! Four times it's used. It's, it's really four mighty stanzas, if you will. And if you're taking any type of notes this morning, uh, there's four ways that the word hallelujah is presented to us in these first six verses this morning. Now, halle means praise. Ha means simply uh, Jehovah. So what, did this word, this, what this word hallelujah is saying, praise, The Lord. Can we say that this morning? Can we say praise the Lord? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah means praise the Lord. By the way, this word hallelujah is used in every language all across the world. And it means praise the Lord. Um, What's also interesting in this is that hallelujah is used over and over in the Old Testament. Now note this. This is the only time it's used in the entirety of the New Testament, right here in Revelation Revelation 19. Well, let me look here with you. If we look, we see stanza number one, hallelujah. We see stanza number two, hallelujah. We see stanza number three, hallelujah. We see stanza number four, hallelujah. It is the wedding music that will take place during the marriage supper of the Lamb. And in this same chapter, we find the word, Amen. Now, the word amen we know is used throughout the entirety of the Word of God. You can find it here in verse number 4. It says, hallelujah, amen. Amen amen means this, let it be. And so, uh, it it means it is true. Uh, Praise the Lord, let it be. So, we have the word hallelujah. Hallelujah means what? Praise the Lord. We have the word amen. Amen means what? Let it be. All right, so we have that. If you're taking notes, because we're going to do something. We're going we're to do an experiment this morning. The music was so great, I just feel led to do something different this morning. This section right here, you're going to say hallelujah in just a moment. Hallelujah, right? You got it? It's a big, it's a big assignment. You can do it. These two sections. The center section, you've, you've, you, you have just by yourself. So you're going to have to use your big voices today. What does hallelujah mean? Oh, the what word are you supposed to say? Oh, yeah. praise the Lord. Okay, that's pretty good. Now, the this section right here, you're going to be amen. Amen. amen, amen. All right. What does amen mean? So, this section and the balcony, you're going to be let it be. So, let's try it. But they're gonna have to have some help. We're gonna try here. So here we go. We're gonna try this. We're gonna see. This is what it's gonna sound like in the marriage of the Lamb. There's gonna be some excitement here. It's gonna be. Hallelujah! Praise the Lord! Amen! That's what it's gonna sound like. It's gonna be amazing! By the way, we shouldn't let sports have all the fun. We should have some fun in church too. That's what's gonna happen. Hallelujah! Amen, and we're going to do that now l- l- quickly. Let me give you the four stanzas uh, if, if we're going to be singing hallelujah What are we going to be singing about so there's four stanzas that we're going to look at here look at stanza number one from verse number one we learn that in this word hallelujah the reason we're singing hallelujah is for the reclamation of the saints for the reclamation of the saints Why are they saying hallelujah? Because that which was begun at Calvary has now come to full consummation. Philippians 1 and verse 6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it, complete it, in the day of Jesus Christ. This is the day of Jesus Christ. And by the way, in stanza number 1, we understand that there are many people here. In fact, there's going to be a great multitude. And friends, there are going to be millions and hundreds of millions of people here at this marriage supper it's going to be absolutely amazing it stands in number two we see the second verse of the song of hallelujah what will we be singing about that's the reckoning of the sinner. we're going to be singing about the reckoning of the sinner, and stanza number one, the reclamation of the saints, and stanza number two, the reckoning of the sinner. And we read a, read about that in verses two and three. Here's what they sang about. Here's what we are going to be singing about. Excuse me, we're going to be singing about praising God that He made all things right and that His justice has prevailed. And if you look for judgment in this world, you may not find it. And if you look for justice in the courtrooms of America or some tribunal on earth, you may not find it. But I want you to listen to Revelation 19 and verse 6. It says, uh, not only a great multitude, but also as the voice of many waters. Um, uh, That's going to happen. There's going to be a lot of people here. But one of these days, we will say... Hallelujah, hallelujah, there is a God who made everything right. And even though court systems may get it wrong, I just want to say this morning, there's coming a time when God's going to make everything right. And we are going to sing hallelujah about that because retribution, uh, uh, where God will will conquer Satan, will take place. And uh, Christ will take uh, place over the Antichrist. And the Holy Spirit will overcome the false prophet. My friend, I want to encourage you this morning that day is before us. It is going to happen. Oh, we come to stanza number three. In stanza number three, hallelujah, we're going to be singing and speaking about the relationship of the saved. The relationship of of the saved we read about this relationship in verses four and five what is our relationship here's our relationship he is god and i serve him do you know what the bible says in that dear beloved psalm 23 the lord is what my. my the lord is my shepherd i shall not one it is personal it doesn't say that he is a good shepherd It does not say he is a great shepherd. He is both a good and great shepherd, but personally, he is my shepherd. And we can sing about that. Our God, he is my God, and I am his servant, and and I am his, and he is mine. Why shouldn't I shout hallelujah when I see what he is going to overcome? Oh, there's a fourth stanza of this song hallelujah that we're going to sing. The fourth stanza, or the fourth hallelujah, is the reign of our Savior. The reign of our Savior. This comes to us from verse number 6. Think about it. The Bible says there's going to be a great multitude. What is the voice of a great multitude? I was thinking about this. What's the nearest thing that we can think about as the voice of a great multitude? Well, perhaps we could think about our worship service this morning. Wow. Didn't the choir bless us this morning? They were a blessing. And then we joined them, and and there's hundreds and hundreds of people singing together. What a great voice. But that doesn't quite seem enough. Well, what if we were to take the largest stadium that we know of, and we were to put 80, 90, 100,000 people in it, and we were to, to sing together and we were to worship together? That certainly would be amazing. Recently there was a football game in Tennessee and there was 110,000 people there. University of Alabama went there and they played the University of Tennessee. If you're a college football fan you probably watched that or heard about this or if you're on social media you may have heard about this. The the University of Tennessee volunteers, they beat the University of Alabama, and um, and when um, the field goal kicker for Alabama missed his field goal, and then the field goal kicker for Tennessee made his field goal, they said the stadium shook, and that three miles away, they could hear the noise from the celebration that took place. That's a pretty big voice, I would think. That's a big voice, but folks... According to the Bible, that's still not it. So we can't touch it with our church. A a stadium of 110,000 isn't going to be there. Listen again to what I said in Revelation chapter 6. It says it's going to be like the voice of many waters. How many of you have ever been to Niagara Falls? Niagara Falls. Oh, there's people in every section that's been there. Niagara Falls is quite a sight to see. It is so noisy, and there's like a crescendo of noise at that, as the sound of that water goes over. And it, it's a massive waterfall. It's very, very noisy. It's very, very powerful. But I go back to Revelation 19 and verse 6, and it says again, and there's going to be mighty thunderings. The lightning and the thunder just rolling up and down the heavens. And so let's put all of that together. We have the worship at Tucson Baptist Church. We have the stadium of 110,000. We have the noise and power of Niagara Falls. We have the worst thunderstorm that you can even imagine where it, it booms and shakes your house. We put all of that together, and that's what's going to roll up and down heaven. And they're going to be singing hallelujah. I can't wait. I'm like ready. I want to hear that right now. It's going to be amazing. And some of you who are shy and reserved, bless God. You won't be doing that in heaven. I can assure you, you'll get caught up in the excitement of worshiping our God, at the marriage of the Lamb. Listen to, we just have to read verse 6 again. Would you look at verse 6? Why is this going to happen? Why is verse 6 so powerful? Here, folks, is why verse 6 is so powerful. Because Jesus is reigning. Jesus is in charge. And I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thundering, saying this, Hallelujah! Hallelujah! For the Lord God, all powerful, is reigning. And folks, we will be there. This is not something that we won't be a part of. If you know Jesus Christ, your personal Lord and Savior, you will be there. Jesus, who was despised and rejected. Jesus who was looked down upon. Jesus who was spat upon. Jesus who was crucified. Jesus who was buried and and left to be forgotten. May I just remind you, He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. And every knee shall bow, and every knee will shout Him, praise His name. And every one of us, I don't care how reserved you think you are, you will sing, Hallelujah, one day at the marriage supper of the Lamb. So, the first part of our order of service at the marriage supper of the Lamb is there will be music. And that music is going to be a wedding song, unlike any wedding song you've ever heard. But quickly, there's a second part of the marriage supper of the Lamb in the order of service on the marriage supper. Uh, there will be a beautiful bride. There will be a beautiful bride. The bride will be beautiful. The bride hath made herself ready. Look with me at verse 7 and 8. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him. For the marriage of the lamb is come and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. Do you ever wonder where the white wedding dress comes from? Study the history. Study your Bible. For the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. Um, I'll tell you one thing, folks. I've done a lot of weddings. And and the bride always goes through extraordinary things to get ready for that wedding. They really do. And it pays. And and, and, um, and I've never really seen a bride that wasn't beautiful. Now, I've seen some that just made it. But I've never seen a a bride that was really not beautiful. The measures that one goes through to look ready for her wedding day. Well, who is the bride? Who's the bride? We're the bride. If you know Jesus... You're part of the bride of Christ. And that is the true church of Jesus Christ. And we've already seen here, we read about it, that there's going to be a judgment of that false church, that harlot. And now we are are being presented to the Lord Jesus Christ. And Folks, don't, don't miss it. We're not yet married to Him. The wedding is yet to come. It hasn't been consummated. The best is yet to come. 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 2, Paul was writing to the Corinthian church, and he says, For I am uh, uh, jealous over you to the church uh, with godly jealousy. for I have espoused to you one husband that I may present you a chaste. That means a pure virgin to Christ. The true church is the dearest object in all of the universe to our Lord and Savior. Don't miss that. We're important to Him. We we know that from human experience uh, uh, that Jesus is madly in love with His bride. And He hasn't met the bride yet. He's in heaven. He's waiting on us. It's about to come. There's anticipation. Jesus can't wait. Have you ever seen a husband and wife that's madly in love with each other? I mean... One starts a sentence and says three words, and the wife finishes the sentence. They know each other so well. They just love each other. My friend, we are the bride of Christ. There's an article in a newspaper of a couple in Lexington, Kentucky, who had been married for 83 years. Think about that. 83 years. Folks, when we get married to the Lord Jesus, may I just share something with you? It's for all of eternity. It's going to be for as long as you, in your finiteness, can imagine. Revelation 19 and verse 7 says that the Lamb's wife hath made herself ready. Now you know, we have to ask a question. How do we make ourselves ready? Could you say, I know with absolute certainty I'm ready to meet the bridegroom, you may be visiting with us and you've never heard the beautiful gospel story. You may have be visiting several times and you've never made that decision to trust Christ. Let me tell you, there's three things that has to happen for us to be ready to meet the, the, the bridegroom. First of all... Everyone must be redeemed. Everyone who, will meet, everyone who will meet Jesus will be redeemed. And if you're not saved, may I just be uh, blunt with you, you're not part of the bride. You get saved, and that's called redemption. And that redemption, the first part of your beauty treatment is that inner nature that's been given to you by the Lord Jesus Christ. You become partaker of His divine nature. It's a beautiful thing when the Holy Spirit comes to live within you. Number two, uh, uh, not only redemption, but there has to be rapture. When the rapture comes, we're going to be changed. The Bible says in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we're going to be made to look like the Lord. And so all of those sinful proclivities of this old sinful flesh uh, that we bear along is going to be left behind. I'm so thankful that that sinful nature will be left behind, aren't you? Then the third thing that makes us ready is that we're going to go through something called the judgment seat of christ and it's called rewards there must be redemption there must be rapture and there must be rewards for us to be ready to meet the bridegroom we've been through the judgment seat of christ we've received the rewards or the loss of rewards at that moment And the Bible says in verse number 8 that the white linen is the righteous acts of the saints. This is the threefold beauty treatment, if you will, that prepares us to look like a beautiful bride. I heard of a man who tried to deduct his wife's beauty treatments on his income tax report. The IRS challenged him and said, Sir, you can't do that. And he said, Why not? It was a total loss. That was for those who were kind of sleeping and dozing and kind of checking out. <laughs> Folks, the Bible says this, is that the bride is preparing herself. Have you been redeemed? Do you know Jesus Christ is your personal Lord and Savior? Have you ever seen yourself in this sinful condition that you really are? And by faith, trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. I want to tell you that redemption and rapture, reward is what is going to be used to make the bride prepared to meet the bridegroom. Well, in the order of service, the first thing is that we learn is that at this marriage, uh, uh, that there's going to be music. And what is the word we're going to sing over and over again? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's four stanzas to that song. There's four parts to that song. Then after that... The bride, the beautiful bride, is ready to go. But in the third order of service, what I want you to see is that there's going to be a celebration. There will be celebration. Um, Most weddings I've been to, there's been celebration. There's been excitement. There's been enthusiasm. Please go with me as we look back at our our passage of Scripture that we're examining. The guest will be glad. Look at verse number 9. I have to tell you that in a Deeper study of the God, of God's Word, I stopped and had a moment because suddenly something came to light I had never seen even in my years of Bible college. I've preached through the Book of Revelation before, but not into this uh, great of detail. But this verse stopped me. Lotus with me, and he saith unto me, right? Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto unto me, these are the true sayings of God. So blessed are they that are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. Did you know that they're going to be guests at this marriage? I want you to think about something. Not everyone that comes is the bride of Christ. You say, what? Well, who are these guests? These invited guests with the redeemed, with the beautiful bride of all the age, uh, are all the people from all of the ages before or after the church age. We live in an amazing dispensation of time, an age of grace, where here's what happens. We get to become, when we are saved, part of the bride of Christ called the church. Was the church before Jesus? No. So all of those who have lived before us will be guests at this marriage. The Old Testament saints will be there. But the Old Testament saints are not the bride in the true sense of the word. They are the guests. They are the called. They are the invited. John the Baptist called himself what? A friend of the bridegroom. He's a friend. He's not the bride. Um, the fact of the matter is, is that we have much to learn when we break down the Bible and we learn this is going to be a grand celebration reserved for you and for me. And the Old Testament saints are not part of that. And even those who are saved after the rapture are not part of this. That's why it's so important that right now you live the way that God wants you to live. Because you will be presented as the bride. Oh, there's going to be a celebration. Listen, there's when we said there's millions of people, hundreds of millions of people, all of those Old Testament people are going to come to our wedding. All those people that live after the rapture who are saved and know Christ, they're going to come to our wedding. And what do we know about weddings? At Cain at of Galilee, when Jesus performed his very first miracle, it was a what? There was a wedding, and he turned sparkling water into pure wine. You say, Do you really believe that? Of course I do. You know why I believe it? Because the Bible says it. That's it. Pure and simple. Jesus, Jesus did a, a tremendous miracle. It was so wonderful that the, that the master of the guests said, I've never tasted anything like this before. Why did you wait to bring out the best wine to last? You know why? Because Jesus hadn't been involved in the process. Jesus always brings out the best. The best in us. Well, if you think that's something, friend, I want you to wait till the marriage of the lamb when he's both the bridegroom and the host, and he has set the table. He's going to be the one who determines the whole menu, and I'm telling you, it's going to be an amazing celebration. And you think about the most amazing wedding you've ever been to in your entire life, and it's like nothing compared to what this celebration is going to be like. There was an old evangelist. His name was Paul Rader, and he's now with the lord he he said this we're he he said he wrote this he said we're living so close to the second coming of jesus christ i can hear the tinkling of the silverware as the angels are setting the table for the marriage supper of the lamb it's coming and it's going to be a grand celebration oh friend uh, all of this perhaps is just a heartbeat away just a second before the trumpet was sound and at the married supper of the land there's going to be an order of service my friend there's going to be music there's going to be a beautiful bride it's going to be an amazing celebration but all of that pales in comparison to the fourth order of service that's going to take place and that fourth order of service is this there must be a groom there will be a groom The groom will be glorified. Folks, this wedding does not center around the bride. Unlike in American weddings, it's all about the bride. Let me just tell you, at this celebration, it's all about the groom. And I'm here to introduce to you verse number 10 about the groom. And I fell at his feet to worship him. Now, I fell at his feet to worship him, and he said to me, See thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren that hath the testimony of Jesus, worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Notice that phrase, don't don't turn away just yet, in verse number 10. And I fell at his feet to worship him. It's not talking about Jesus now. It's talking about an angel who's announcing all of this. The one who's sent out to welcome the guest. And John sees this angel And friend, if an angel were to walk in here today, if you weren't careful, uh, you would want to fall on your face before him and it would be glorious and majestic if a physical angel were to walk in here. John, this is really fascinating when you study the word of God, John, the apostle John who wrote the book of Revelation, he makes a serious breach of etiquette. I love this. I love the Bible tells us and 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 records this. Notice what happens here. John is transported. He's seeing into the future. He's been given the task of writing what he sees in the future. He's given the task of using language that was 2,000 years old, where they didn't even have the expanded language uh, that we have today. The words, the vocabulary, the sights, the experiences. So John is there. He's trying to write. He's trying to record in the language and the experiences of 2,000 years ago so that we can understand uh, today. He's at a wedding. The angel comes in, who's a messenger, and John sees him in all of his majesty, and all of his glory, and all of his radiance, and here's what the Bible says, John falls down at his feet, and the angel says this, it, it's in there, look at it, hey buddy, get up or we're both going to be in trouble, that's what he's saying, I'll be in trouble for letting you, you don't worship me, You'll be in trouble for doing it too. There's only one to be worshipped. And in this verse he says, the only one to worship is God. Get up off your feet. You're worshipping the wrong person. Um, I want you to listen to me carefully. Understand what I'm about to say over and over again. In the Bible you uh, you find out that uh, people worship God. But isn't our New Testament excuse me, isn't our Old Testament filled with people who are always worshiping idols? falling down to graven images, laying flat out on the ground to great images? May I just say there's coming a day when all of those idols are going to be destroyed. They're not going to be in heaven. And no matter what your idols are today, the idols of prosperity and the idols of uh, of worshiping whatever your graven image is today, the idol of your hobbies and the idols of, uh, of whatever, whatever takes your eyes off of Jesus, that's an idol. You're bowing down to it. May I just tell you one day, someone's going to say, Hey, buddy, get up. Get your eyes off of the idols that you're worshiping. There's only one person to be worshiped, and his name is Jesus. Whether you like it, whether you don't like it, it doesn't change the truth of the Word of God. All of us will worship Jesus one day. Apostle John made a big social blunder. He worshipped the wrong person. I love that. You, you, you Study that verse again. Hey, buddy, get up. You're worshipping the wrong person. Um, a true Christian, uh, a true Christian is someone who's going to tell someone else about Jesus Christ and his name is Jesus. As I, as I began to conclude my message, you don't, I don't have any more notes. So you can close your Bible and, and you can listen. I want to give you an illustration from the Word of God about How this all works when we're talking about the married supper. There's an Old Testament story from Genesis chapter 24 that I would like to share with you. I want you to remember back. You've heard about this story. It's been preached about at this church. You've learned about this story um, uh, growing up. But no doubt there's going to be people here that are very new in their faith. And you haven't heard about this story. So would you all listen to the story about Abraham where he wanted a bride... For his son, Isaac. It's really a fascinating story. Isaac is a type, a symbol, a picture of Jesus in the Old Testament. Abraham is a type. He's a picture, if you will, of God the Father. And Abraham, he wanted a bride for his son, Isaac. And so he sent someone. Does anyone remember the name of the person that he sent? I didn't think so. His name was Eliezer. Eli Eliezer uh, was a servant to Abraham. And, uh, and so he sent someone, his servant, uh, to go find a bride for Isaac. This is the picture of the Holy Spirit who wins souls. Bringing people to church, the bride for Jesus Christ. Well, do you remember in this story, Eliezer, he prayed and he went and he said this, How am I going to find who the right one is. And by the way, Abraham had put into the, 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 the satchels, the bags of the camels, great wealth, all of his wealth. And he loads Eliezer down with all the jewels and the rubies and the diamonds and the gold and the silver. And Eliezer, he, he leaves Abraham and, and his wealth and he leaves Isaac and he goes to find a bride for Isaac. Oh, He's introduced to a lady, help me, what was the name of the lady? Rebecca, thank you, Rebecca. (laughs) He was introduced to a, a a young lady named Rebecca. And Eliezer, led by the Holy Spirit, said, hey, that's the one. Now imagine with me, times are different. It's dry, it's dusty, it's desert. There's no cars. Uh, there's, no, there's no internet. This is, uh, this is very, very different. We're going to break every culture. We're going to break every mold that's happened. Eliezer, he has a job. You talk about being a persuader. Eliezer is going to convince a girl to leave her mother and her father and her houses and her land and go with him to meet a man she's never met before, to marry a man that she's never seen. Now, folks, I'm saying that's some type of persuasion. She's going to leave a people that she knows. She's going to leave a people that she loves. She's being persuaded by a man she's never met before to marry a man that she's never known. That's idiotic. What mom and dad in here would allow their daughter to even do that? Well, Rebecca accepts the call when she leaves. And Rebecca's gone with Eliezer to meet her new husband, Isaac. And the Bible says that Eliezer would give uh, gifts to Rebecca along the way. Can we just use our creative imagination for a moment? Imagine the scene. Through tears... Rebecca says goodbye to her family, and she mounts, gets up on the camel, to ride and make a journey to meet her future husband. Oh, Eliezer, he's nervous. He's found Isaac the bride. He's he's uh, obeyed the bidding of his master.